From NPR News in New York, this is the Bryant Park Project. Overlooking historic Bryant Park in Midtown Manhattan, live from the NPR studios, this is the Bryant Park Project from NPR News. News, information, layoffs. I'm Allison Stewart. It is Tuesday, July 22nd, 2008. This is our fourth to last show, and we got a package yesterday. You know, people are starting to pack up their desks and put things away, and we got a box. We wondered, well, hey, what's in this box? We pulled it out, and there were... Um, copies of books sent to us to help us out in the show, uh, Sound Reporting, the NPR Guide to Audio Journalism and Production, arrived yesterday. Awkward. <laughs> Trisha's on the mic. What's I was reading it last night. It's a really, really useful book, actually. I'm like, oh, this is what I was supposed to be doing. Well, we have four days. I know. I'm totally going to use that information <laughs> to do Matt, my job. Matt Martinez is quoted in this. You don't think I went to the index and looked at Matt Martinez and went to every page he's on there? Page 219, our producer Matt Martinez says, uh, Matt Martinez says he bases his cut on what the interview was supposed to accomplish. Let's say we wanted five things and we got those five things, so they're definitely in. Then we might have room for one or two more ideas, but everything else, be realistic. You can't have an extra 20 minutes. Matt Martinez. That sounds just like him. Matt Can Mar- I say one more thing? Of I also looked in the index for another name. Yes. The Brian Park Project. Yeah. I didn't see it. We should have known that. Yeah, that maybe was a clue. <laughs> On the show today, layoffs are hitting the American workforce as the economy continues to decline. We're going to talk with someone who writes about what to do if you are unexpectedly put in the position of having no job. Marcy Albuher writes the Shifting Careers blog for the New York Times. She's in studio with us in just a minute. Hi, Marcy. She's going to come on in during the newscast. And it is the week of finals today, our final New Music Tuesday segment with new releases from Dr. Dog and, yes, Miley Cyrus. We will discuss it. Esquire Magazine music critic Andy Langer will be on the line with us from Austin, Texas. And uh, have you ever been dumped? Just dumped or blown off by a date? It hurts. That's why this book was a bestseller. It was called He's Just Not That Into You. Liz Tuchillo is one of the authors. She's going to join us in the show giving us tips on, um, well, frankly, being dumped by NPR. And our next stage of grief is anger. We'll get to all that in just a minute. But first, let's get to some of today's headlines with the BPP's Mark Garrison. This is NPR. Thank you, Allison. One of the world's most wanted men is under arrest. Bosnian Serb leader Radovan Karadzic evaded capture for 13 years. NPR's Tom Jelton has more. Radovan Karadzic was the president of the Republika Srpska, created as a Serb mini-state inside Bosnia. Serbs, he said, could not live in Bosnia with Muslims and Croats as neighbors. So he led a drive to cleanse the Serb portion of Bosnia of all the non-Serbs. When the people of Sarajevo resisted his demand that it be divided, Karadzic ordered his forces to bombard and isolate the city. That led to a war crime indictment. He was also charged with genocide as a result of the slaughter of Muslims in Srebrenica. A special action team of the security forces in Serbia found and arrested Karadzic yesterday inside Serbia itself. Serbian President Boris Tadic says Karadzic will soon be sent to the International War Crimes Tribunal at The Hague. 
NPR's Tom Jelton reporting. Bitter enemies will sit together today. The party of Zimbabwe President Robert Mugabe is set to negotiate with the opposition party led by Morgan Shangarai. The talks are in South Africa. That country is mediating. The opposition party felt South Africa's president tilted toward Mugabe, but they agreed to, to join talks once African Union and UN reps were brought in. A new clue in the mysterious double bus explosions in China. Police are looking into a cryptic text message sent to local phones. NPR's Anthony Kuhn has the story from Beijing. The general mobilization of ants spread the message. I hope citizens receiving this message will not take bus lines 54, 64, and 84 tomorrow morning. Police confirmed the message's contents to local media in southwest Kunming City, and they offered a $1,500 reward to anyone with tips. Police say the blasts were caused by ammonium nitrate-based explosives stashed under bus seats. Fourteen people were injured, many with shattered eardrums. Authorities have launched an intensive manhunt in Kunming, including checkpoints at airports, bus and train stations. China says terrorism is the biggest threat to the Olympic Games, now just more than two weeks away. But they also face a challenge from domestic unrest. NPR's Anthony Kuhn reporting from Beijing. And that is your news for now. There's more online at NPR.org. This is NPR. Yesterday's Atlanta Journal-Constitution paper reported the University of Georgia is getting set for possible layoffs as part of a state-mandated budget cut for all Georgia colleges. The Wall Street Journal reported that Citigroup was set to lay off 10% of its investment banking jobs. Now, with the economy all soft and squishy, very qualified people are being told to hit the road because more money is going out than is coming in. And the way people react to layoffs has been the subject of the New York Times Shifting Careers blog, written by Marcy Albahor, who joins us in studio. Hi, Marcy. Hi, Allison. And obviously we have some interest in this, <laughs> in this building right now. One of the things about layoffs, which are tough, uh, you know, there's sort of this element of shame. Even though you really mm-hmm. didn't do anything wrong, you, you feel like maybe you have to grovel for a job after a layoff. Can you explain to us how we should handle that and, well, and how we should approach a prospective employer after we've been laid off? How do you explain it? Well, first of all, in this economy, I think we're we're all in a good place if layoffs happen because when things are so rampant and widespread across all these different industries, I think the shame the shame question shouldn't even enter your head. When I got the email and the call from your producer mm-hmm. yesterday, I felt like it was it was a peer calling me mm-hmm. saying exactly what I fear could happen to me at any moment. Sure. You know, like I, I think we should all be working every day thinking this could be around the corner, especially if we work in the media industry, but in so many industries, obviously, you just read kind of across the board what's been happening. So I think when you're dealing with an isolated layoff, you've been singled out and mm-hmm. fired. It's really, really different than uh, workforce reductions, you know, downsizing that we're all seeing right now. It's so funny you should <laughs> use that language. Uh, you know, the company Wash Wamu, the bank, um, is slated to lay off employees in September. So it's been reported. And the spokesperson released the statement. I want you to decipher this for us. <laughs> Uh, I don't have any details to share with you at this time, you being the reporter, but I can tell you that we're looking critically at everything we do and everything is on the table except what's necessary to maintain outstanding customer service and ensure we have high quality controls in place. If you worked for this company, 
Okay. If what I worked for this think? company, I would get to the first thing we were going to be talking about, too. What to do when you smell layoffs in the air, <laughs> yes. right? So that's like, I think before, you know, we, we talked about what to do when you're laid off, but I actually think we should all be, those of us who haven't gotten notice mm-hmm. yet, I think we should all be thinking, this could be around the corner. What's some smart things to be doing right now? So um, fill us in on a couple. Fill us in. Okay. Start getting in touch with people all over your industry, um, what I call not just the the, um, strong ties, but the weak ties also. People you haven't checked in with for a while. Try to take the temperature of what's going on in your industry and other places. People you used to only see at conferences and, you know, the occasional industry gathering, give them a call, see what's going on in their place. That stack of business cards you have in your drawer. That you never filed, you never put in your Outlook, right. Maybe pick them up and shoot that person a note. Yeah, and and actually make sure your resume is in order. Make sure you got something kind of presentable to wear if you go out to (laughs) some important lunches and meetings. And start having those lunches and breakfasts and coffees, even if they're not formal interviews. And I think it's a good time to start doing some formal interviews, too. But even if they're not formal interviews, start meeting people in person. Start getting out there. What if you're shy? Uh, I mean, this is true in all career management stuff. If you're shy, you've got to find the things that work with your personality. Mm-hmm. So email, you know, online communications, online social networking these days. I mean, we can't talk enough about how much happens through LinkedIn and Facebook. And really, um, you could work on your social networking profile hmm. and start connecting around with people. You could be blogging. And when I say blogging, I don't necessarily mean blogging disparagingly about your employer, which is getting some yeah. people in trouble these days. But, you know, working on your online identity, if that's relevant to your career and if it makes sense for the kind of field that you work in. Let's talk about that online element, because there have been several people who have gotten in trouble recently for after they've gotten laid off or fired or downsized going on and revealing secrets about the company, revealing yeah. their really true feelings about the middle taking, manager. Taking confidential information on the way out. Yeah. You know, like there's there's a, a huge list of no, no-nos. And on the blog, I've been writing about some of those things lately and how we could get ourselves into trouble. Here's one I didn't write about yet. I got an email forwarded to me by a guy who was fired from Bloomberg News. This email's been making its rounds. I'm mm-hmm. surprised I haven't seen anybody written about it. The thing was so profane that I probably couldn't even read to you two consecutive lines from <laughs> wow. the email. And not only was it a gist, you know, kind of, a, a torrent of anger against everybody that this person had ever worked with and the management. It it described people. It outed them for all kinds of behavior that wow. people didn't know about. It revealed inter-office romances and all kinds of things. Um, this email was sent to hundreds of people, probably like thousands, the entire staff list, and then it was forwarded on with for comic effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't imagine this guy is ever going to get another job. But, yeah, um, and, and also legal action, potentially. Exactly. You spoke exactly. to a lawyer from Brian Cave about some of the, just if you go out and vent online, just be prepared. Yeah, and, and some of it's common sense. Yeah. Um, and, and really, I think this gets, brings me to this, when you're on your way out, um, or you know you're on your way out, the number one best thing to do is to um, have a graceful exit. Um, keep your venting to close friends and family and your diary, you know, uh, but do not um, do not do that publicly. And in fact, I think you need to do just the opposite. And it may seem a little counterintuitive, but you know those really w- wonderful farewell emails you sometimes get from oh, yeah, a colleague sure. who's leaving, and usually they're leaving to the, announce their really cool new mm-hmm. position. I think we should be seeing more of those from people who've been laid off, especially in these kinds of non-humiliating experiences where the reason you've been laid off is the economy. Mm-hmm. And I think what you need to do is compose an email 
And some of these should be individual to people that you have close relationships with. I mean, when, when you're dealing with the closest relationship, mm-hmm. sometimes a handwritten note is the best way to do it. But I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. And it's really memorable mm-hmm. today. But we all have, like, the big cluster of people who are kind of important to our career, who have helped us get to where we are, who are just part of our professional network, and they're going to want to know what happened to us. So I think we have to spend some time and compose a really smart and uh, sensitive note being gracious to your old employer and trying to understand that it must have been difficult what they're going through, and talk a little bit about what you think your future plans might be, and that could be kind of what you aspire to be doing, and close it with, if you know of any opportunities, please keep me in mind. If there's any way I could be of help to you in your current work or life, please keep this in mind, and close with a feel free to forward this note. Hmm. I mean, I know that I'm always kind of looking out for what's going on with people. And when I get a note, and also how to reach you, what your current right. contact information is, because a lot of people may not know how to, you know, I, um, I've been on this show before, and I only have um, NPR information for anybody I've ever dealt with here. If people don't send me their cell phone and their private emails, right. you guys are colleagues to me. How will I ever find you again? It's interesting that I think a lot of people might think, oh, it's crass to put my stuff, my information at the bottom of an email. They're going to think I'm begging. But it's practical. And we just have to remember that. It's practical. And this is the other thing you have to realize when you're out there looking is that if someone helps you find an opportunity, you're actually helping that person fill a spot. So when I I get these kinds of emails all the time Mm -hmm. because I'm in kind of the career world, when I get an email like that, I think about it and I think right then and there, is there anyone I could forward this to? And it's the easiest thing for me to do. Can I send this to certain other people I know in that area? Otherwise, I file it, right? I update the conference contact information, I file it away, and I think about when's the next person, next way I can do something for this person. And if I'm close and I have a really positive relationship, I offer to take them out to lunch. Well, so you- at least you'll get some free lunches. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Marcy Albahor, who writes the Shifting Careers blog for the New York Times. And um, let's talk about people who are listening to this and so they have a job, and they're thinking to themselves, ooh, should I have my radar up? What preventative steps can a person take to bolster their chances of, one, not getting laid off, if there's a way in this economy, Mm -hmm. and two, bouncing back quickly. Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest. I'm not sure how much you can do if you're on a list or if your department is in jeopardy. um, I'm sure all of you who, you know, couldn't have done anything to change your fate here. Um, Everybody was going. So there are situations where you can't do anything, but... Um, it isn't a time to slack. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a time to be doing your top work to make sure that if there is going to be a workforce reduction that doesn't include anyone, that you're kind of seen as one of the stars. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be taking, you know, long, long summer vacations. I would actually try to kind of, um, you know, do your best. Be engaged. Be engaged, exactly. And and maybe it's a good time to start taking the temperature at home, you know, Meet the higher-ups, meet the people who've Mm -hmm. always been helpful and and kind of supportive of your career there, and have a little check-in with them about what they think is going on. And here's the thing we were talking about briefly. We don't have a lot of time. Is layoffs aren't always bad. No, no, no. We were just talking about this. You know, one thing I want everybody to remember is there are certain numbers of people who are going to get the ax, and after they have time to cool off and kind of get their thoughts together, they're going to realize – um, that maybe this wasn't where they wanted to be in the first place. Once they figure out how they're going to pay the rent and the mm-hmm. mortgage or whatever that is, um, you know, sometimes it's not awful news and it can force you force you to, to stay, take stock and think about whether that's exactly what you wanted to be doing. One other thing, when I said go talk to those higher-ups, one of the other real reasons why you're doing that is those people may be leaving too, and True. when they land, you want to be on their radar. 
all great advice. Marcy Albaher, Shifting Careers blog writer from the New York Times. Thanks for all your help and your support over the past year. We do appreciate it. Good luck, Allison. And I'm sure we'll be talking from someplace new. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. Hey, stick around for the Bryant Park Project. It's New Music Tuesday with Andy Langer. New releases today from Dr. Dog and something very special from U2. Hey, and the former frontman from Rage Against the Machine as well. This is the BPP from NPR News. Hey, welcome back to the Bryant Park Project from NPR News. Thank you so much for listening. We are online all the time at npr.org slash Bryant Park. I could ramble alone, but you know, it's kind of like playing solitaire. Kind of fun for a while, but wouldn't you like to be in a really good game of gin rummy or poker? No, I like to stay up all night and play solitaire obsessively. Oh, then I could leave and uh, editor BB. <laughs> you can do this by yourself if you like. No, no, no. Let's hold hands. Let's ramble. <laughs> Come on. Yes, that is the Bryant Park Project editor, Trisha McKinney. I'm going to go first, okay? Yes. All right. A new angle on the mortgage meltdown. We've seen all kinds of stories about abandoned pets, so sad, about families can't pay their mortgages. This one involves bugs. Apparently, in several counties in Florida, there's been a mosquito outbreak. Enormous amounts of mosquitoes because... There are all these abandoned swimming pools yeah. because of foreclosures. Nobody's taking care of the pools, rainwater collecting in them. That's it, a nasty mess. That's a nasty mess. And whoa, a new uh, breeding ground for mosquitoes. I'm going to um, call that one insult to injury. I would agree. Yeah. And s- scratch and scratchy and, and, and making you know, me possible West Nile. That's tr- yeah, yeah, exactly. A University of Florida professor said that's actually one of the biggest issues. Also, what's happening is these abandoned homes. People are leaving boxes, you know, kids' wagons out. Anything that can collect water. Those little mosquitoes, they love it. Yeah. So, unintended consequence. Yeah. That's not good. No. Uh, I have another home problem in Florida story. I think this one came from Manoli. I don't know why she's um, finding little stories like this. but uh, So this guy in Silver Springs Shores uh, has been paying rent to somebody who turns out is not his landlord. Oh, no, really? And it's not like he was illegally subletting from this guy. He just This, this guy was a tenant, and they paid like 800 bucks a month to this guy named Tyrone. Tyrone would come by at the beginning of every month and collect in cash only. Apparently, Tyrone's story to these people was that he had been ripped off in the past, so he had to get his money in cash. But in fact, he did not own the place. The real owner lives in New York and told authorities. Now they're on the hunt for this Tyrone. I wonder if that's his real name. Mm. Mm. You know, there was a movie about this called The Visitor. Do you remember? No. It was a real. It came out a couple months ago, and it was a. Daniel Holloway said it was a really fine, small indie oh, flick. Oh, yeah, yeah. You remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so I actually listen to the show. I really do. <laughs> I just didn't ring a bell. The name. All right, product placement 
in movies, we've gotten kind of used to yeah, it, yeah. even though it's a little bit annoying. Yeah. It's Especially the movies that like go, oh, look, we're doing product <laughs> placement, and then they collect the money anyway. I can't go a day without this Coca-Cola. It's, it's very obnoxious. Uh, we've seen it in TV shows. Now it's starting to appear on some morning news shows. Yeah, this, this is, is a slippery slope. It is. Anchors on the Fox affiliates in Vegas, KVVU. Apparently, if you tune in to KVVU in the morning, you will see uh, the anchor sitting there with large coffees, iced coffees from McDonald's. Nice. And it's on their desk during the, the lifestyle segments. And apparently people have noticed that nobody ever drinks the coffee. They <laughs> just sit there. Um, and the executives say it's part of a six-month promotion to shore up ad money. We've been talking about the economy not being so great. Uh, the ad agency involved said the cups will disappear if KDDU reports something negative about Mickey D should something bad happen at a McDonald's. Other stations owned by Meredith Broadcasting, there's a CBS affiliate in Hartford doing it, the CBS affiliate in Atlanta as well. You know, and this is a big issue. The FCC yeah. is looking into it anyway. And you know, well, I, you're a broadcast news professional. Do you know what, what where my mind went? Where? You can tell I've been thinking about money a lot lately. My mind went, well, then why can't I do a commercial? Why is there a middleman? Why yeah. is the station getting the money from McDonald's? Uh, if, why, you know, there's a reason that news people do not yeah, do commercials. There, is. there are many new reasons. But if you're going to sit there with uh, some sort of product sitting in front of you, why did the station get some money? Well, and I remember... What about Allison Stewart? You know, we worked together at MSNBC, yeah. and there, you know, the a lot of the writers and producer types, the non-air talent, were actually on the set. And I used to joke, oh, hey, I'm going to go get some Dunkin' Donuts coffee and put it on my desk. <laughs> and I remember making that joke to uh, to a news executive who gave me such a look. Like, I was like, I'm just kidding. I'm Joking. just kidding. At MTV, we used to have to, you know, all the rappers wear whoever is sponsoring them, and we'd have to blur it out every time we did, like, the big swooshes by that certain company. Yep. You want to do this one quickly? Yeah. This go is a it. tough one to do quick, but I will. No, um, so a Car- California woman has come up with a novel solution to a really awful problem in Nepal, because in parts of that country, families are so poor, they try to actually bring in money by selling their daughters as domestic slaves. Okay, that's awful. So an 83-year-old woman who had spent five years in Nepal and got to know the culture pretty well has come up with a way to rescue some of these girls. She's trying to convince families to raise and sell pigs. And so I'm not quite sure how the money works, but huh. if, this, if these families will raise and sell pigs, she'll, this woman agrees to pay for girls to go to school. Oh, my she gosh. She started a nonprofit called the Nepalese Youth Opportunity Foundation. She also offers families kerosene lamps and kerosene. Um, and apparently about 3,000 Nepalese girls have gotten an education because of this woman. And she's 83 years old. She keeps going strong. She has no plans to stop. And she's my favorite person today. I know. Great way to end the round. My favorite person next to you, Tricia. You go Olga Murray of California. Go Olga. Go Olga. Hey, that's the ramble. An EP from the MIA frontman of Rage Against the Machine and a teen queen continues her quest to dominate the globe. Yes, it is Tuesday and it is time when a new raft of music floats our way. So let's get right to it with a fella who's been with the BPP since its days as a little tiny pilot. Hailing from Austin, Texas, Esquire Magazine's music critic and friend of the BPP, Andy Langer. Hi, Andy. 
Good morning. I'm drinking Burger King coffee because it's hang me. <laughs> You're going to just keep dropping Burger King into the, the whole segment? Exactly. That's a whopper of a good record. Um, <laughs> hey, let's start with new music from Zach De La Rocha of Rage Against the Machine. You know, they've been doing some live dates this summer. Last album, I think, was 2000. You know, Tom Morello, he's been obviously much more active. Um, did you miss it's Zach? It's certainly a good thing. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Well, tell us, did you, did you miss Zach? And why do you think Zach's been uh, sort of lying low? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, Morello has been out there as the night watchman, uh, even though he's one dude. And De La Rocha, nowhere. And, you know, you keep hearing rumors that he's making music with DJ Shadow or with Trent Reznor or Questlove, and one or two tracks have trickled out over those eight years. Neither of them or any of the two or three have been any good. And radio, in particular, is dying for new Rage Against the Machine. I mean, it's something that they could just drop into that alternative format Mm. and have a hit instantly. And apparently they're just not willing to deliver a new Rage Against the Machine record, so we have this. One day as a lion, finally, we have new music from Zach De La Rocha, and it's okay. One Day as a Lion is the name of his partnership with drummer John Theodore. He used to play with Mars Volta. Let's take a quick listen, and we'll talk about it on the back end. Okay, so Zach's got a little potty mouth, as we heard from from the beeps. Uh, his his style is so distinct. I mean, no matter what band he's in, whatever what they call it, you know who it is. Yeah, and there's five songs here, and sonically, two of them sound like Rage Against the Machine songs, and those happen to be the two that are good. On the other hand, what you realize when you listen to this EP is that Tom Morello, who may not be very good as the Night Watchman, is definitely the song craftsman Mm. of Rage Against the Machine, because what's missing here is song craft. It sounds like Rage Against the Machine, but there's no hooks. Right. All right, I'm moving on to Miley Cyrus. Now, if you aren't up on 15-year-old Miley Cyrus, let me tell you, she played a concert series across from our offices here last Friday. City officials literally shut down two subway station entrances because so many people showed up. So based on the sheer volume of the screams that we endured for two hours... We want to find out what you think about Miley Cyrus's new release called Breakout. Andy, did you? Oh, have... I thought we were listening to some. No, I thought you hung up. Oh, on all me. right. Well, <laughs> you know, here's the here's the deal. I mean, to pull back the curtain on this rock criticism thing, we yeah. might as well, since it's the last time. Yeah. Anybody that tells you that's 35 years old or older, and I'm 35 and I'm 15 years younger than the average guy that does this for a living, if they try to tell you that they listen to a Miley Cyrus record and that they understand it in a critical way, that they can tell you what's good and bad about Miley Cyrus, then they're lying to you. They just <laughs> want to get on the list for tickets that they can buy to their kids, that they can get their kids. And, you know, it's fine. It's a, it's a record that doesn't matter whether it's good or not. Right. I mean, this isn't a record that we're going to look back and say, oh, she was maturing, and this is her transitional album from Hannah Montana into a solo artist. And, you know, it's a it's a record that has a cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun and takes it in a serious way. Well, let's listen to the critic proof, Miley Cyrus. This is called Seven Things from Breakout. It's awkward and silent as I wait for you. 
Okay, we're just going to move on to uh, Dr. Dog from Philadelphia, <laughs> a new album called Fade. It's their fifth. The band stopped by our studio last week, and singer Scott McMicken, he said the band didn't have really have any plan going into recording the new record, but that the concept of fate imposed himself. Let's listen. At that point, we then, you know, put forth more intent into what we were already observing. And so this process became this kind of manifestation of fate or something that you could see as, wow, we are witnessing this fated event. I mean, the process itself started to bring as much to us. It's the kind of thing that I live for, you know, and it's not the kind of thing you always get. Now, Spin Magazine described their acoustic throwback music as having sepia sweetness. What do you think of these guys? I think that's a deep thought for a really sort of simple record, a record that gets its beauty from simplicity, and it's a it's a really strong record. I mean, whether you call this, you know, beard rock or retro or just Americana, I mean, I it's, it's part Beatles, it's part the band, it's a little bit Beach Boys, and it's really earthy and complex in the melody, but simple in the delivery, and it's it's just an easygoing sort of summary slash Sunday record. All right. And finally, I want to talk about a reissue that's come out. U2, we don't need to explain anything about U2, uh, reissued the first three albums, a bunch of bonus material. What kind of goodies are we talking about here? They're really gorgeous packages. I mean, they're, you know, they're these 32-page books and then a full disc, you know, 14 to 16 songs on each of these extra discs of live stuff, of previously unreleased stuff, stuff that would have come out on a box set down the line and hasn't. And I'm frankly, I'm surprised it hasn't hmm. because a lot of it's good. You're getting a lot of bang for your buck with these reissues. And, you know, two of the records are, are not the best U2 records. I mean, really, until war, U2 isn't U2. But these are really generous B-sides that they've given over. And apparently, you know, early adopters, uh, as always, get screwed. If you bought this in the last <laughs> 25 years, you didn't get what you what you should have because now is the time to buy these records. And let's listen to a bonus cut from the Boy reissue. It's the uh, early single 11 o'clock TikTok. This is live from the Marquee Club in London. All right, there were different reactions here about the hearing this. Jacob, our director, says it reminds him how far Bono's voice has fallen in the last 28 years. I said it reminds me how much he has his voice has matured and has depth. What do you think? It reminds me of how early they were good. I mean, that's the thing is that yeah. this is a band with such a long career who early on were, knew what they were before most bands knew what they were, and it's obvious when you listen to these early records. Even if they're not great records, they're records from a band who knew where they were, who they were earlier than most bands do, and that's how you get to be you too. Andy Langer, music critic from Esquire magazine and very good friend to the BPP. It's been Andy, my pleasure. It has been our pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. We'll see you down the line. All right, thanks. Well, we're winding down the final days of the Bryant Park Project, and we're marking the time by taking you and, well, frankly, us through the, each of the five stages of grief in the form of our regular feature, The Best Song in the World Today. Yesterday, 
we did Denial. Today, it's Anger. Here with his best song in the world today is producer Dan Pashman. The great preacher William Sloan Coffin said the world needs more anger. But he said anger should be distinguished from bitterness because anger leads to action while bitterness leads to apathy. I think that's pretty smart advice. And, you know, Allie, I I think I'm a friendly enough kind of guy. You're very friendly. Uh, Thank you. Uh, But there are times, I will admit, that my temper gets the better of me. Uh, I try not to get bitter, which is easier said than done. Uh, But there are things that make me angry, Uh, like when I'm riding the subway and people don't move all the way into the train, they just block the doors and then you can't get in. That makes me angry. I'm with you. The fact that airlines charge you to change your flight, even if you're changing from a more desirable flight to a less desirable flight, then they wonder why they're in bankruptcy. That makes me angry. Humidity. That sucks. (laughs) And... And when the BPP staff orders <laughs> breakfast sandwiches from the deli downstairs and I order bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll with the eggs scrambled and the eggs come fried, that makes me so angry! But the truth is, in most diners and delis, fried egg is the standard on an egg-based sandwich. And when there's an established way of doing things, those of us who want to scramble up the status quo often find ourselves fighting an uphill battle. Alright, stop what you're doing, cause I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny, but yo, I'm making money, see? So yo, world, I hope you're ready for me. Now gather round. I'm the new fool in town, and my sound's laid down by the underground. I'm drinking all the Hennessy you got on your shelf, so just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty. Now, I believe that in the future, we'll all eat cheeseburgers with the cheese on the bottom instead of the top, because that puts the cheese closer to your tongue and thus maximizes cheesy goodness. That's how I do it now, of course, but I'm confident society will catch up. Al, you remember that TV show Freaks and Geeks? That show was canceled quickly. Now it's creator Judd Apatow. He's the king of Hollywood. Arrested Development got canned. Now it's becoming a movie. Part of the brilliant but canceled series. That's right. You know, the great newsman Edward R. Murrow had serious doubts about moving from radio to television. Uh, But he overcame those fears. When he advertised his now legendary TV report on Joe McCarthy, CBS wouldn't even let Murrow use the network's logo in the ads. It's true. The idea of a TV news show doing an investigation of one particular U.S. senator was foreign and scary at the time. How weird. Yeah, now clearly CBS and the other networks have come around. 60 minutes. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, but I'll bet Mr. Murrow is pretty angry when CBS made him pay to advertise the program himself. Being misunderstood or not understood makes me angry, too. Now, am I suggesting the BPP is Edward R. Murrow? Hardly. I'll be the first to admit we got plenty of kinks left to work out. Instead, I like to compare us to another great historical figure, someone who wasn't ashamed of being different, who wasn't afraid to take risks, Someone who is also ahead of his time, he's the kind of guy who'd use a word that don't mean nothing, like Loop did. And he's the man who sings the song that's my submission for best song in the world today. So today I am angry, but not bitter. I'm going out with my head held high, proud of what the BBP has accomplished, just like old Humpty would want Do the Humpty Hop. Uh, 
Oh, uh, yeah. Let me get a little bit of that bass groove right here. Waitresses. That makes me angry. Yeah. That lady in the parking lot of Once a Time a Bagel out in the Hamptons with her yoga outfit who wouldn't get out of the parking space and cause a traffic jam in the parking lot. She made me angry. Yeah. I got angry at a bunch of smug, yuppie parents in the park yesterday who reserved all the picnic tables in the park for their three-year-old's birthday and then only used half of them. And her name was Madison, wasn't it? Probably. You know what makes me angry? When a store says it closes at 6 and then it locks the doors at 5.50. Very annoying. That makes me angry. People who litter make me angry. Yes. Some people will will blatantly drop something right at their own feet in the middle of the train and then look around. <laughs> and then I always make eye contact with them. Just with the, I know that you did that. I saw you do that. You and it made me angry. And if I wasn't afraid that you might be carrying firearms, I'd say something. Being canceled makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we can call it right there. That's the winner. <laughs> That's my submission for best song of the world today, The Humpty Dance by Digital Underground. Peace and humptiness forever, as the man says. I'm impressed with you, Dan, though. I was expecting a Dr. David Banner moment. You made me a little nervous. I thought your eyes started to turn green, and you were going to say you won't like me when I'm angry, but right. I thought you were quite subdued. Well, thank you. I try to, try to <laughs> use, my, use my anger for good instead of exactly. evil. We'd like to stay on till Friday. <laughs> Next on the show, tips for what to do when you've been dumped. Liz Tuchilla wrote a handy guide. He's just not that into you. She's with us next. This is the Bryant Park Project from NPR News. Welcome back to the Brian Park Project from NPR News. We are on digital FM, Sirius Satellite Radio, and online at npr.org slash Park. I'm Allison Stewart, and what to do when your employer is just not that into you. But first, let's get the latest news headlines from the BPP's Mark Garrison. This is NPR. Thank you, Allison. A bizarre attack in Israel today. A tractor driver took his rig on a rampage in Jerusalem. He slammed into a city bus and hit two cars before he was shot and killed. The driver wounded at least two. A similar attack involving a construction vehicle killed three earlier this month. That attack just ahead of Democratic presidential candidate Barack Obama's planned visit to Jerusalem Wednesday. Obama is in Jordan today. He wrapped his visit to Iraq this morning. NPR's Soraya Sarhadi Nelson has the story from Baghdad. The senator spent the night at an American base in the city of Ramadi, 70 miles west of Baghdad. 
This morning, he's meeting with local Iraqi officials and tribal elders in Ramadi. The city, which is in the western province of Anbar, had long been a focal point for Sunni insurgents fighting American troops. But since last year, when Sunni tribes began aligning themselves with U.S. forces against al-Qaeda in Iraq, the city has largely been calm. The U.S. military considers Ramadi one of its major successes in the war in Iraq. NPR's Sarai Sarhadi Nelson reporting from Baghdad. In the U.S., a possible big break in the salmonella mystery. A Texas plant is re- recalling all of its fresh peppers after investigators found salmonella on a Mexican-grown jalapeno. Now the question is where it got tainted, on the farm, at the plant, or in transit. More than 1,200 have gotten sick. For now, the advice is to avoid fresh jalapenos or products made with them, like salsa. In Texas and Mexico, they're getting ready for Dolly. That storm should come ashore late tonight or early Wednesday. James Blears has more. The National Hurricane Center in Miami says affected areas could span from Brownsville to Port O'Connor and on to San Luis Pass. The Mexican government's issued a similar warning involving the La Pesca area and northwards up to and including the U.S. border. Weather forecasters say Dolly could drop rainfall of up to 15 inches and produce a flood surge of up to six feet. James Blears reporting from Mexico City, and that is your news for now. You can get more online at npr.org. This is NPR. You've heard it before. You know, you've been in a relationship a while, maybe a year or so. You've been having this really good time, or so you think. You think things are going well. And then one day, out of nowhere, your partner dumps you. Boom! Just like that. I mean, you start calling them up afterwards. You're asking, what did I do wrong? Can we get back together? Asking your common friends to help facilitate a meeting. Maybe they'll see the light. It's not happening. He's just not that into you. And we feel your pain. You might say the BPP and NPR cohabitated. We were in this domestic partnership. But then NPR dumped us and told us to be out of the house by Friday. So for some help, we turn to Liz Tuchillo. She's a co-author of the best-selling book, He's just not that into you. She wrote for Sex and the City, has a new novel called How to Be Single. And Liz, since you're basically a relationship aficionado, we thought we'd ask you some about some tips for our recent breakup from NPR. How yeah, are really you? Sorry to hear about that. Yeah. I, I hope you guys are handling it well. <laughs> I just hope you're not eating too much or going out drinking too much. Uh, both of those have happened so far, from oh, what I'm I can tell. Sorry. <laughs> How do we face up to the fact that that NPR just wasn't that into us? <laughs> Well, you know, I think sometimes you just have to really, you know, you shouldn't make excuses for NPR. You should really just, you know, or, you know, ask what you did wrong. You should just know that sometimes, you know, two people or two companies or two entities just, you know, weren't meant to be. And you have to sort of make peace with that, I think, and just try to move on to the next thing. You know, what's interesting is your book was really about empowerment in a lot of ways. It's something that was referred to as um, don't waste the pretty. Yes. Can you explain that concept and how it might apply to us? Well, it just means that, you know, all the time that you're, you you spend, you know, sitting there wondering what you did wrong, what you could, you could do to get NPR back, what what's wrong with you, you could be out there having other people meet you and want you. And so, uh, and so all that time that you're worrying about this other, you know, worrying about NPR, you're wasting your pretty. Or in your guy's case, maybe waiting, wasting your smarty. Thank you. Now, the staff submitted questions for you because in your book you have a lot of Q&A between uh, mm-hmm. uh, young women who are writing about, oh, I, this guy, I really liked him, and now he doesn't call me. Here's one. Uh, it says, we were effectively in a long-distance relationship mm. with NPR. What could we have done to keep the spark alive? <laughs> 
Um, We're in New York, and NPR headquarters are in Washington, D.C. You know, I think that I think that the truth is is that many long distance relationships don't work out because. You know, human beings need to be in contact with each other to remind themselves why they they love each other. So perhaps, you know, it's not that there was anything you did wrong. Again, maybe just it was not meant to be because of distance. This is another one from a staff member. They're all anonymous, by the way. (laughs) Can we still be friends with our exes, NPR's friends, or is that awkward? Um, I think that for a while you should really cut off all communication with NPR and NPR's (laughs) friends. Until you feel that you can truly go back to be friends with them without really underneath it wanting them to ask you back. Now, what if I'm getting mixed messages? Your ex says he'll call, he really wants to see me, but he never does. I guess that would be called freelance work. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that, I mean, it's really true in all seriousness. I, I haven't actually able to use, um, he's just not that into sort of theory in business in the sense that, you know, it's really true. I mean, it's just the same with business. So that they are, if they are interested in your idea or your screenplay or whatever it is, they will get to, get back to you very quickly. And if they're just playing around and sort of interested, you know, it's going to take a while for them to return your phone call. So it's still, it's, it's the same. What if you're with somebody and you ha- seem to you know, be a little bit different. When I mean, we were a lot younger, we were the the mm. young, the young, the young maybe trophy date for a while. It even trophy dates hurt when they get dumped. Yeah, I think you know. I think you realize that maybe people really do just follow that they really do usually end up following their old patterns. And again, not to take it, you know, so personally, um, and just know that they, you know, they would just had to go back to their old ways. Your book also talks about not making excuses mm-hmm. for being blown off, mm-hmm. whether it's in a full-fledged relationship or after a first date. What kind of excuses do people tend to make for being dumped, and, and why do they do it when it's so obvious? Uh, <laughs> um, he's, he loved me too much. He was afraid of, you know, he was afraid of commitment. I reminded him of his mother. <laughs> um, he hadn't gotten over his ex-girlfriend. Uh, he, uh, you know, those are the big ones. The, you know, the people love to go, you know, he's, a, he's afraid of intimacy. Um, he's afraid of commitment. Afraid of commitment. He was afraid to get hurt, you know. Those kind of things. Yeah. And finally, say we still really, really love NPR, you know, kind of like the best friend that became a boyfriend before mm-hmm. you hooked up. Yeah. Can you keep the friendship? Yeah, I think in this case, you know, because you don't have to really, you know, be seeing NPR, it doesn't have to be in your face. I think that perhaps there is a way to, you know, take from NPR what you still love and and try to, and then just sort of, you know, leave the rest. Can you suggest some sort of mantra, something that we can hold on to as we come to grips with the fact that this place that we all came to work just wasn't that into us. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. Um, there'll be a bigger, there'll be a better NPR out there waiting for you guys. Liz Tuchillo is the co-author of the best-selling book. He's just not that into you, Liz. Thanks a lot for your help. Listen, I really, I'm really, all my good wish, best wishes are are coming to you guys, hoping to get through this difficult time. Thank you.
know how much I wish I could tell you what Pashman just said. <laughs> You're listening to the Brian Park Project from NPR News, and we're into what you're into. How do we know what you're into? We check the most read, most popular lists on the internet. It's time for the most. Dan, you're going first because you just all right. I'll do my best here. Made my day. <laughs> Keep it clean, Pat. We, we get the most emails here from Yahoo News. Feds. Philly ex-anchor hacked colleagues email. Now, those of us who who work in the news media industry have been following this story. It's one of the now quickly becoming one of the all-time classic local news anchor sto- sagas. Uh, you have these two anchors in Philadelphia, Larry Menti and not Alicia, but Alicia Lane. And Larry's a bit older, Alicia, the younger, more mm-hmm. buxom anchor. She got a raise. She started getting paid more than Larry. Larry got jealous. Okay, now Alicia... Allegedly. Remember, alleg- allegedly jealous. Thank you, Trish. So we have an editor here. Uh, now, Alicia, you may remember her name. She uh, was the one who sent pictures of herself in a bikini to ESPN and NFL Network anchor Rich Eisen. Allegedly. Alle- well, that, no, uh, that's, that's true. No, that's, that's true. true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> she also... Uh, she's already been fired from the station. She was arrested for... Uh, for assaulting a New York City police officer while she allegedly, well, yeah, that's alleged. All right, allegedly, and we actually have a clip here of the news report on WNBC here in New York describing this encounter. She was with this other guy. Uh, what's his name, Allie? Chris uh, Chris Booker. Right, Chris Booker is former DJ in New York, and they were stuck in a cab behind an undercover cop car. The, uh, Chris Booker got out, started arguing with the, one of the cops. She, Alicia Lane, got out and started taking pictures of the scene. And the female cop got out, grabbed her wrist, and th- listen to this news report explaining what happened. Allegedly, Booker got out of the cab and began arguing with the male police officer. Lane began taking pictures. The female police officer grabbed Lane's arm. And then the complaint states Miss Lane shouted, I don't give a who you are. I'm a reporter, you Yes, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> the double beef is awesome. I know. If I had a nickel for every time Allison Stewart said that to me, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, but you love it. Yeah, um, you ask for well, it. Well, anyway. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's a new chapter in the story because Larry Menti, the older anchor who had kept his job after Alicia was let go, he has now been arrested. He's under federal investigation for hacking into her email and apparently having checked her email allegedly about 537 times between January and May alone. So good. Taking the information from her email and leaking it to the press to undermine her. That's that story. This is just (laughs) And they found a picture. No one had known who leaked the picture of her in the bikini that she sent to Rich Eisen. They found a picture of her in the bikini on Larry Menti's computer. Hence my previous allegedly, because right. I remember that little wrinkle That's right. in the saga. Wow. So Story that keeps on it giving. It is so right. good, you guys. <laughs> I have been following this on uh, the TV Spy Water Cooler for months. <laughs> I, I feel like this should be a Will Ferrell movie. Could be. Hey, Lauren Silva, you're up. Hey. Hey. This is a cleaner story. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> um, fish pedicures are all the rage. This is nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I know the story. <laughs> it's all over the interwebs. Most emailed, even on the International Herald Tribune. It's a worldwide appeal. And it's about a D.C. area salon, which has a thousand fish. They're called Dr. Fish. And um, they're a tiny carp. You stick your foot in the tank, and they bite off the dead skin. 
Um, because the water's warm, you know, warm. They're hungry. There's nothing else to Can nibble on. Can I say on. this is why people don't swim in lakes and ponds because they don't <laughs> like the feeling of fish <laughs> nipping at, at their, their heels? heels? Well, the next time my wife tells me that she wants to go get a, a mani pedi, I'll just be like, "Hey, honey, couldn't you just, I mean, save a few bucks and go swimming in a lake?" You know, I mean, I feel like I feel like that's a, the more cost-conscious way to go, don't you there think, you Trish? Go. Totally I agree. And full disclaimer, I had a manicure by a shrimp, <laughs> a tiny shrimp. Yeah. It's um, it's skunk cleaner shrimp. It wasn't a full manicure. I was at this aquarium in Florida, and you could stick your hand in the tank, Thank and you. the shrimp would come over and pick at any dirt yeah. under your fingernails. I think any manicure you get in an aquarium does not count. count. <laughs> that was Ian, uh, our beauty editor. Yeah. <laughs> My kind of guy. Mark Garrison, what's up? Yes, ma'am. I have uh, most emailed at Yahoo. Uh, hybrid cars, good for the environment and saving on gas, obviously. Maybe a little dangerous for the blind. The American Council for the Blind, there. Uh, sounding the alarm because obviously if you're blind you rely on hearing to determine yeah. like how fast the car is going where it's going how close is it so they want car makers and the government to do something now I, I'm not an expert on acoustics or automotive design but I just want to suggest one little idea I am the voice of Night Industry 2000's microprocessor if all hybrids were equipped with kit, I mean, have you ever seen an episode of Knight Rider where, like, a blind person or a stroller or an old lady, like, at, at most it's a near miss, but he never hits him. And also turbo boost in the Prius, that would be kind of awesome, too. I like it. Mark Garrison. Not an automotive expert, you say. <laughs> <laughs> Trisha McKinney, our editor. Yes, yes. I am reporting today on Google Trends. All over the top 20 of Google Trends is uh, apparently there's a little war going on on the Internet. You have to kind of know the terms to realize this is going on. Number three is Raid Chan. Number nine, 4chan down. Number 13, 4chan status. Number 15, 7chan. Number 17, Encyclopedia Dramatica. Okay, so here we go. These are all related to this website, 4chan, which you may not know about the website. It's an image board where people have to post pictures in order to, to start a discussion. And it has this little sub um, board on the, it's called the B board. And that's been the birthplace of a lot of memes that we've talked about quite a bit on the show, like LOL cats, Rick Rolling. Um, also, some people on this board are uh, have formed the group Anonymous that goes after Scientology. Uh, they also, a couple weeks, or about a week ago or so, we reported that there was a swastika at the top of Google Trends, and that was, uh, uh, we believe, was sparked by uh, the 4chan board. Um, so anyway, there's a big epic fail for 4chan today because uh, there's apparently been, and it's all on the internet, so it's all rumor, but there's apparently been a big denial of service attack against 4chan by people on another board. I think it's a, I, I, this sounds pretty credible to me, another board called Anon Talk has apparently tried to take 4chan down and they've succeeded it's been down for hours and hours and hours so you know a lot of these a lot of people on 4chan are perfectly normal and nice some people on 4chan like if seriously if you go to this b board on 4chan bring your brain bleach because there are some pictures on there you do not want to remember the next day Understood. but uh, anyway <laughs> that's been down for a while so we'll see what happens and you're gonna wrap us up okay i got a, a most viewed from the minneapolis star tribune there's a, a company there, uh, Monster. Uh, they they make something called Monster Deer Block, which is a monster uh, deer lick. It's mm-hmm. a salt and mineral mixture which attracts deer uh, to your property. A Monster Cable, which makes audio cable, had been suing them. It took lawyers, but uh, they've determined that people wouldn't be confused in the marketplace. <laughs> Uh, they wouldn't go in looking for monster cable and come home with a, a deer salt lick. So that suit's been dropped. That's the big story. 
I, I looked around for a couple uh, other uh, interesting trademark violations. Did you guys know that a guy named Sam Adams ran for mayor of Portland a couple years back? And he started SamAdamsForMayor.com. And Sam Adams, the beer him? company, went after him. They thought it was a hoax, and then they figured it out. Also, uh, this uh, breastfeeding activism group made T-shirts that said uh, the other white milk across the chest. And the National Pork Board went after them. Oh. They, they later apologized. Who the, oh. the the women or the, the pork, pork people? The pork board. Okay. Glad I didn't get one of those. Yeah. A shower gift. Hey, Ian, Dan, <laughs> yes, Laura, Mark, Trisha. Thank you. Later. Bye. Thanks. That's it for this hour of the Bryant Park Project. We are always online at npr.org/slash Bryant Park. I'm Allison Stewart. Yeah, that's my last name. See you next time. <laughs>